Today, I've got Nina Atash, Andrew Callahan, and Jack Flamiger. They are from a show called The Drought, which has had a very successful run recently at King's Head. And, last, um, and it was part of last year's London Horror Festival. Nina, Andrew, Jack, love to meet you. Do you want to tell us a little, uh, introduce yourself, tell us who you are? Shall I go first? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you wrote it. Of course. Um, uh, yeah, I did. So, yeah, I'm Nina. Uh, I wrote The Drought. Um, I am also producing the show. Okay. Um, Captains first. Uh, I'm Andrew. I play the captain. Hopefully not badly. And I'll leave it at that for the moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm Jack Flamiger. I play Garson um, stunningly well. <laughs> Very well. Can I say, Andrew, you do have to look for Captain about you as well. So I think you, I don't know, are you still, are you still in sort of full Captain mode with the look? Well, or? yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of the COVID backup for Captain Birdseye for the, the next campaign. So I'm, I'm keeping the look going to as many jobs as possible right now. Yeah. You do look like a sailor this morning, actually. Yeah, well, I think yeah, even the, the roll neck, neck. Yeah, yeah, neck. digging the roll neck and and like the David Bellamy beard. Your long, lovely green plants. You know, so yeah. Okay. That's good luck. Right. Um, okay, so let's talk about the show. So the show is The Drought, which is a, I think we described it as a psychological horror. Um, what more can you tell us about the show without giving away any spoilers? Well, uh, it's a show that's set on a ship, on a Victorian British Navy ship, um, that's embedded in the seafloor uh, after the ocean has mysteriously disappeared. And uh, that's not spoiling it because we open. Uh, with that with sort of that setting um, and it's all set in the captain's cabin and yeah it is it's a psychological horror it's a psychological thriller in that it's about a uh, story kind of about madness and the loss of sanity and, and purpose and that kind of stuff and we see these these characters deteriorate throughout the show uh, I'll pass it on to the guys to see what their two pits are about I think, I yeah. think you summed it up pretty well there <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I think just to just to chuck in also, it's that thing of um, again, this isn't a spoiler. Treading carefully, uh, it's kind of that thing about someone's function really in life. And you know, if you if you're I don't know a naval captain or a naval steward, and what is a captain or what is a steward if you you no longer have the sea? You know, mm. and if you can't sail, if you don't have that framework of, of those duties, the, the roles that you would normally take part in every day, what's left? And yeah, uh, again, yeah. I won't say too much. It's just, you know, it, what, you know, if that makes up a, a major part of your character, how do you respond to that? It, mm. it was interesting. The um, Our reviewer did mention about you keep to your roles, you know, the captain and sort of his his servant roles are kept regimentally sort of in the start of the play and then they get disrupted obviously by the introduction of a third person so mm. it it does sound yeah it when you talk about sort of you know your purpose in life your role in life it's very very interesting in that what was the inspiration to write a play about the sea disappearing then nina i mean the sea disappearing the actual the the subject of it was something that I think me and my friend talked about like years ago. I grew up, I grew up in Ramsgate in Kent, 
um, which is just by the ocean. Mm. So, you know, you know, like those conversations you have with friends when you're talking about spooky things that, that happen, um, late night conversations. And uh, I think like, you know, one of us said, oh, you know, what would you do if you woke up tomorrow and the sea was all gone? You know, imagine what it would look like. And there was just that was like a little idea that I had. And then when it came to writing the show for the competition last year, I was watching, like, I'd watched The Terror, which is a really good show. Mm. Oh, it's um, brilliant, yeah. Yeah, really, really oh. good, uh, like, mini series with Jared Harris. And um, I'd watched that, I think I'd watched that probably, like, three or four times by that point. And I just really wanted to write something that um, was set on a ship, on a Navy ship in the Victorian era. And uh, the idea of the Navy at that, at that time, like, in the mid-1800s, was they, they were kind of very glorious and full of pride and kind of ruled the world they Britannia ruled the waves in those days um so the play kind of strips away all of that that pride and that purpose and that glory and it kind of originally started out as a bit of a ghost story and then as it developed over time after the competition it became more about this kind of like well, again, like I don't want to give it away, but yeah, this kind of like mythical has this kind of like mythical edge to it, and uh, a bit of a kind of deeper message. It's so it's- tricky, isn't it? You're kind of <laughs> dancing on a knife edge, you can say. Yeah. I I spoke to someone a few weeks ago for a show called Sleeping Lions, and that's all. That's again, there's obviously a lots of twists go on in the show. And literally, she told me how the show started. So I'm not saying any more about the show. It's like, what are we going to talk about there? <laughs> <laughs> 40 minutes of silence. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was really, it was really interesting. But it is it is always... It's the same when we review, though. You, when you're reviewing, and you, it's so hard to review thrillers that have big twists because yeah, how do you talk about why the show is good or bad without sort of touching on the twist? And I... It's like, uh, we, we're very careful when we edit, when we, I, I do a lot of editing work and stuff. Luckily, I've got someone, a very good editor does most of our stuff for us. But when we edit, we're really careful not to, you know, if we see a spoiler, we think it's a spoiler in a review, we will go back to review and say, are you sure you want to say that? Because, you know, as much as we want to promote the show, we also don't want to give away any of the fun elements of the show. Well, yeah. especially, you know, in the final act when Mary Poppins turns up, you know, it's a real, <laughs> really, oh, oh, no, sorry, 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 oh, sorry, sorry. That whole Mary Poppins thing sorry. is just sorry. such sorry. a huge... Gonna have to change the whole ending now. Rob, can we cut that? That's (laughs) (laughs) you've got three weeks for rewrites now. (laughs) Andrew, you had one job. Sorry, I know. know. Um, Now, we've mentioned the place set in Victoria era. Did you have a lot of fun with the accents and the costuming? Is it was it just fun to just dressing up as an old naval sort of captain or it got very hairy? (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah, everyone got sort of. I've tried to be pithy. Um, yeah, it's glorious. I mean, who doesn't like, you know, dressing up, you know, and uh, again, try not to give too much away. We don't necessarily go for complete authenticity, but we're alluding to a lot of their roles and their characters within uh, the accents. Uh, obviously, you, you, we're talking about that sort of almost pomposity, really, at that point in time, you know, uh, certainly my character, the way he views the world you know and that lends into a certain way of 
speaking. Uh, I, I did give the director of Frights as a bit of a, a joke when I was leaning into my native accent for a while. Oh, I think it should all be played like that, you know, as a Wiltshire boy, you know, proper cat and bird's eye. And he didn't really know my sense of humour at the time. So that didn't, that didn't, <laughs> didn't stick. Didn't sit too well with him at the time. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, it didn't stick. But no, of course, you, you really kind of, there's a, there's a, a almost like a, a vibe with the writing and there's definitely a rhythm that would kind of dictate how you how you know how you accentualize and so it was it was all there in the writing but then you know Nina's on the line so I you know I have to say that yeah he has yeah. to be nice about it yeah and uh, while Nina's pointing the gun to my head it was just it was put it down um it was um it was exactly that it was the language and the way these characters articulated themselves which paved the way to uh these these accents and this and and it, it was so characterful the language and the art and the way these characters articulated themselves it was really easy to actually pick some of this stuff off the page i remember being in the recall with andrew and just being like oh my god this guy is just the captain <laughs> 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 where'd Andrew go what the hell is the captain doing here it, it, but that was what was really cool and what was so attractive about the piece was just that it was just there on the page and mm. and you know you get you get you get a, a variety of uh new writing and and the levels at which it's at but but Nina's work just like kind of just really pops out at you and it, it's just so easy and it's also so easy for the actors when it's just all there, yeah, do anything. I just, I just read the lines. That's all I did for the show. <laughs> and also, I think another thing is the three of us have three very different vocal qualities as well. The cast of three, Caleb, who's <clears throat> not here. You know, he—that's a big shout out to you, Caleb. Uh, love your bones. Um, but you know, we have very different vocal qualities, and that really—I I think we complement each other very well with the, you know the mm. pacing and the delivery. Mm. It works. It just works. Yeah. I think as well, I think Jack sold himself a little bit short there saying that they just read the lines because the whole the whole process of doing the drought was that, yeah, it is it was a new play. And the actors, you know, the guys had such a huge input into the text. And it really it did feel like it did feel kind of like it was developing in the rehearsal mm. room. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but I definitely felt like it was it really it was completely different to how I read it when I did my final edit compared to how the show was on stage. And that's all like a credit to the actors. Like they just found all these little things that I, even I as, as the writer didn't think of. Um, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. it was. <laughs> I mean, I say, I say <laughs> it was better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're still looking for the humility. But, you know, yeah. You're trying to yeah. look for a white get out of it, aren't you? <laughs> Almost there, almost there. Were you both involved? Because obviously this started last, this, so this debuted last year at London Horror Festival. Were you, um, Jack and Andrew, were you involved with the original production last year? No. Oh, okay. No, No. So it's completely... the only one that was involved with the original was actually uh, Alex, the director. Um, So he, I was introduced to him. So I submitted play. And then it was shortlisted and I got kind of introduced to him 
uh, because the play was then um, read at like a rehearsed reading as part of the final. Um, so Alex came on board then, on board, and um, <laughs> should we try and get in as many shipping puns as it's we can, as many navy yeah. puns? Yeah. Um, yeah, so he came aboard and um, so he, he really helped, like after the competition, he helped like develop the script as well. So he had huge amounts of input into what, what it was then and what it's become now. Yeah, so, but he's the, he's the only one, it's me and him and uh, another couple of actors who did the read through. So it was only a read through at the, uh, the horror festival. It wasn't an actual fully staged play last year. It wasn't a fully staged play. No, it was just a very basic uh, rehearsed reading. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Re- I didn't realize. I just assumed because I know sort of the London Horror Festival obviously put on lots of shows last year. So um, yeah, I assumed. Oh, I didn't realize. So this was sort of. So that was the re- reading last year. So now, it, so the King's Head run last month was the first. Was the first, first one, staging. yeah, was the first run we ever had, yeah, so, because what happened was the, uh, Mark Ravenhill, the artistic director of the King's Head, came to the, to the London Horror Festival competition, and that was how I got in contact with, um, with the theatre, and that was Brilliant. what kind of led it to being on, on stage there, so I need to give a shout out to Mark as well, because he did actually, he gave a lot of input into the script as well, and helped me with a little bit of the development so yeah it was it was really cool and king said so, i mean i mean i know i know you're going to old red line which is having a grim fest which i'm looking for i must get up to see a few of the shows myself but yeah. um king's head seemed to also have a sort of nice niche in doing some sort of horror-esque shows so um i think mark must have an interest in that area as well then definitely yeah i mean the reason he came to the um the competition final was because he wanted to discover what other new horror writing was out there. Um, and he said that he wanted to introduce more horror and sort of thriller, dark thrillers into the King's Head Theatre space. And he wrote, he did, he did a show over the summer called The Haunting of Susan A, which was a mm. ghost story about the King's Head. Um, so yeah, I think he was really keen to sort of promote and help uh, new horror writing uh, into into the space, which was is great. Yeah, right time, right place, basically. Yeah. How much <laughs> has the show changed since that original sort of since the script that you used for the London Horror Festival? Then a little bit. I, I said to the guys uh, as we were nearing the end of our, our, our rehearsal process that I was going to send them the original script, and I never did because I actually reread it the other day and. I, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. I was like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> how did this win? But um, no, it was <laughs> it was slightly different. Like I said, like the the kind of basis of the story back then was it was kind of a ghost story, and I don't think I'd really decided what the character of the stranger was at that point. Um, so his his character was even more ambiguous then than it is now. But I think now I kind of really established in my mind what that character was and what he represented. So yeah, there was a, a little bit, I did a little bit more research into like naval history and stuff when I was doing the edits and kind of gave these characters a bit more shape as well, especially in, in the steward, uh, Garson. I feel like his character really blossomed in in the rewrites and I think he had much more of a, a clear trajectory. So yeah, the, the the major themes were there and the the characters were there, but I think they just they had a, a bit of a better shape by by the time we came round to uh, putting the show on its feet properly. 
did, did the fact to say, obviously, you won the the sort of the script writing competition last year. Did that then give you the impetus to go on and say do more research and tidy up all these characters? As you said, was it sort of the original script obviously had the plot in there and the basis, but having won that, did that allow you to then say, right, I've got something good here. I can I can work on this and make this a fuller play. Yeah, definitely, definitely, absolutely. I, you know, the reason I entered the competition was to just give myself a challenge to write something. I'd wanted to write something for a few years, and I saw the competition go up, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, let me try and put pen to paper and, and give it a try. And you know, I, I never never thought it would even be shortlisted for get win. So um, after that happened, and after the encouragement of people like Mark Ravenhill and the guys that set up the London Horror Festival and Alex as well, who, you know, was very keen to stay on board and stay with me and help with the process of developing it. Yeah, I, I really, I was really keen to, to get it up on stage. You know, I, I wanted to do it. So then that was just kind of how it happened, really. Was, was it always horror you was going to write? Was that, or was it just the case that you saw the horror fest, you had this basic idea, or is horror something you're really into? Um. Yeah, no, I, I definitely am into horror. I've always liked ghost stories. I've always liked murder mysteries and stuff. I think if, yeah, if I was going to write anything, it would always be something dark or, you know, that in that kind of area and that kind of theme. But I think there is there is a light, lightness to it as well. I mean, I love comedy as well. And I think that kind of comes through a bit in, in my writing. We're all nodding away, uh, yeah. Really, really conscious that this is an audio medium, you know. So that that's us nodding. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, do you feel there's a lack of horror on on stage? I mean, I I, I love I love theatre horror. I love I love suspense in theatre. I don't think there's anywhere you can go where, you know, if you watch horror on telly, you, you know, you you're limited to just a few people. Whereas if you go and watch it with a crowd of people live. There's such a different feel, but it can go just drastically wrong as well on stage, can't it? Because if you don't get attention right, if you don't... But do you feel there's a lack of horror on the stage still? All nodded again. 100%. 100%. <laughs> and it's such a shame because it is... It's. I think it's, it, it's such a good genre to sort of reach out to a wider demographic of people than just theatre goers. I think it's like, it's it's such good entertainment and it's such a good night out because of that live audience atmosphere and that kind of the the shock and horror and then the and the gasps and everything it's just it's just exciting it gets your heart rate going it's it's just like a fun night out i mean you you think about like woman in black um the that one that's uh out the moment, ghost story 222 222 yeah 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 and and i've seen i i think i've seen a couple of horror productions which have been some of my favorite theater experiences because they there's just something about horror that is that is so engaging because I, th- I find horror stories really interesting. I, I don't like watching horror movies. I hate jump scares, like, ugh. but, mm. but like horror stories are always really entertaining and really interesting and very law focused. And also it's that thing like with, with the jump scares as well, that, it, <clears throat> that there's not, I wouldn't really say that that's the, the street that the drought has walked down. The, no. the, it's far, far more tension really mm. and I think that really translates well on stage because again try not to give too much away it's like those really good old Doctor Who stories in the past where you'd have a base under siege 
And mm. quite often there would be an element from outside that would intervene. But the best Doctor Who stories would be, it's not the monsters, not the, the Daleks or whatever. It's the humans and how mm. they react to just that one element being introduced from outside. And it, yeah, it's joyous, you know, that, that tension building and, and atmosphere. It's dripping, yeah. oozing with it. <laughs> the best That's horror movie huge... does, I think, rather than mm. uh, shocks, maybe. That's yeah. how I feel. Yeah. I think, yeah, with the drought, like what I, 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 I'm not a fan of jump scares, like at all as well in horror. I, it's not that I, you know, I find them scary. I, it's the exact opposite. I don't find them scary at all. They're just, they make you mm. jump. And then once you've had one, that's it. You know, then you expect it for the rest of the, the piece. So the drought completely comes away from that. There's long moments of silence, long moments of tension. And yeah, like Andrew said, it's, you know, again, without, giving too much away it's the humans that are at fault kind of thing you know we're the real monsters at the end of the day and um yeah it's, it was just yeah horror in theater there's so much you can do with it um and it's a shame that there, there isn't more of it about because yeah that tension that you feel in the theater even in those moments of long silence is it can be electric and uh, it was really cool like I watched the show every single night and it was really cool like gauging that that atmosphere that you get from the audience and that feeling. And, you know, some, some of the nights in those moments of silence, you know, you could have, you could have heard a pin drop. And that's exactly what I was trying to create. And I just hope that people came away from it feeling, yeah, a little bit chilled. Is it, how easy is it to, to perform in a show like that when, you know, it's all about keeping that tension? Do you, is there an intensity you have to give as a performer? Is it different to sort of doing more sort of drama or lighter stuff? It's certainly, it's certainly, it's certainly tiring, certainly tiring, but in a good way in that, yeah, it's not one of those where you can be larking about just before stepping on. You do need that moment to gather yourself before each scene, because <clears throat> each of the characters, go, again, having to be careful, they go on such a journey throughout and just going back to that image I was talking about a moment ago, quite often the worst monsters are humanity, We're, you know, our, our own worst enemy. And I think you have to, yeah, you've got to dig deep to, to make it as real as you can, you know, to, to latch on to the, that closest emotional link you can make with the characters. And certainly for me, that the Saturday doing it twice in a day, oh my, that, 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 that period in between the two shows is quite possibly the most quiet the dressing room's ever been yeah, you yeah. know I, I mean what about you Jack do, do, do you feel the same or, or? yeah yeah I, I certainly certainly I share your opinion of that Saturday it, it was interesting because actually I don't think I realized how intense it was until I until people turned around to you in the bar and was like god you must be you must be tired and I was like oh I guess I guess so <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Just falling asleep in the bar. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I am tired. Um, no, but that Saturday was very revealing because at that point I kind of understood what the play was asking as well every time. And it was just like, it's great and it's so releasing to do it once every night. But then when you have to do it once and you release everything and then you have to get, get sort of gather it all back again so you can release it a second time, that always felt like a lot but I think the thing was about 
the fact that because normally I do notice the intensity, but normally I'm like a I'm like the king of complaining about how tough acting <laughs> is. No, um, but this time I think what really helped was actually the atmosphere in the rehearsal room and the way we went about it. And I can't put my finger on it, but it was just it was just the way we worked through it that kind of took all that away. I don't know what it was. I think it was a really lovely, warm uh, rehearsal room. Um, especially when you're doing like the, the darkest stuff, you often find that the rehearsal room is very jokey and stuff. And I think, I think a little bit of that helped. It was but safe, it, wasn't it? You felt it was safe. safe. That was it. And That's we, I the think word. I think. We we worked through <clears throat> things safely and in a way that kind of almost removed the intensity from it as a performer because that's what you got to do as an actor you've got to, you've got to, you've got to dig into these places but in a safe way and i think this rehearsal room did a great job of of finding that for us mm. and also yeah. it's just such a lovely kind of collegiate bunch of colleagues that everyone was so supportive so supportive for all of our respective jobs and roles and what everyone's contributions that when you were taking risks, I mean, there's certain rehearsals where, you know, we said, right, that's it. And it's letting it all out and you didn't know where it was going to go. And it's not always that way. And it was just joyous. It's the only way I can say it. It's just such a joyous bunch of people to work with. Yeah. And to give uh, Alex credit as well, like he's, the way he directs, he's, a, he's a, like, he likes to devise. So he doesn't just mm. come on board and direct. You know, he wants the actors to find their own way of, of doing it. You know, they had a lot of freedom and, you know, and also for me, like it was great because then I could find things that worked in the script and didn't work in the script. And there were tweaks that I could make. And I know that, you know, Alex wouldn't be precious about it. The actors weren't precious about it. And I certainly wasn't precious about it because we all just wanted to create the best show that it could be. So yeah, for, for me as a first-time writer as well, you know, having come from a performance background, it was just like an absolute joy for me um, because it was like watching a creation really come alive. They've talked about here, I mean, you mentioned it a few times as well, talked about the ambiguity of, of you know, where the story goes. Was that always your intention to make it sort of a really open-ended, open for debate sort of style at the end? Yeah, yeah, to to an extent, <laughs> like a couple of a lot of my friends came to see the show, and a couple of them were maybe a little bit more confused than I wanted them to be probably the end of it. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the definitely the ambiguity thing. Like I, I, there was like an element where I wanted people to find their own their own reason or their own um, kind of message within the show um, by the ending. So yeah, I I like. I like things where, you know, it's not a completely closed book. So, you know, everything isn't answered. So you can kind of find your own message within it. But also I did kind of want some kind of like solidity. Did you have in your head, though, a clear idea what, what the ending all meant in your head? Did you have a one clear idea or did you write it open-ended? Uh, no, I, th I had a clear idea. I, I have a clear idea of what happens, what happens to them in the end, and so yeah. And have you what seen? Then? Have you seen sort of lots of people sort of theorise what it means? Have you been reading? I mean, Twitter's a great place for this, isn't it? Have you read reviews and people's theorising on what it means? And sort of, have you been surprised by any of the theories around it yet? 
Oh yeah, I've I've had I I had quite a few. It's great though. The ambiguity is so great because I cut I I come out into the bar and someone will come up to me and they'll be like, okay, okay, I've got four <laughs> theories. Yeah, that's um that's why like some some of these theories would just go off on a place that I had no thought that I did I like some of these theories were just so out there that I had no I, I didn't even think about any of these. Uh, and so it's so great to hear. Um, yeah, yeah. Some of them were really out there. What, one of my friends who came to see it, one of my best friends, she kept turning around to me like in the show. She was like, "Oh, is it this? Oh, is it this? Oh, is it this?" And I was like, "I'm not going to just watch the show, dude." But, um, but you're just getting. But by the end of it, that was the person the talking through that show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah. It was her. It was her. Uh, but she, she got it at the end. She, she she got it at the end. And that was that was what I wanted. I, I want people to question it throughout the show. And then kind of by the end of it, it kind of all comes together. And I'm I, I'm hoping that's kind of what comes through. But the I think ambiguity is good, especially in a psychological horror. One of my favorite plays I've ever seen was a play called X, which was on the roll call. Ah, yes, yeah. Our director I, recommended, recommended yes, us yeah. reading that. Yeah, oh, research. I I, oh, yes. I went to see it twice. I went to see it and then I dragged a friend along because I wanted someone else to watch it and confirm with me if it made any sense. Um, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> the ending of that, I think, in my, I think over the course of about, and I uh, literally the, the 40 50 minutes took me to get home. I think I went through about a dozen different theories of what it meant come the end. And mm. I went back to watch it a second time and I still couldn't decide what my theory was. And then I watched um, on Roll Call recorded an interview with the with the writer and I watched him. The first question was, what's that ending mean? And he goes, it's whatever you want it to mean. Oh, that's come out. <laughs> oh, and I could have reached for the screen oh. and strangled him. <laughs> That's it. Hot footing it down the King's Road. But do you know what? It's very, as Nina said, our director, Alex, just brilliant recommendation to, to read that because the, the drought also, the, it's also almost, you know, that kind of unreliable narrator thing. There's parts in the, of the play where it's almost from all three of their POVs and all three of them have their moment to give their opinion of what's going on and I just honestly feel that if a week or two after you've seen a show you're still talking about what you think it means it's done its job really it is absolutely incredible show and saying I think when we talk about psychological horror that is up there as one you just watch it so tense throughout trying to work out what on earth is going to happen right so you've done King's Head you're you're going to Old Red Lion First to the fourth of November now for Grim Fest, which I think is a great title for a, a festival season. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, London Horror yeah. Horror Festival. Yeah, it said what it was, but Grim Fest is just absolutely brilliant. It's a title. It, was that always in the pipeline? Was was the was the was the Grim Fest run already planned, or has that come off the back of just recently? Uh, the Grimfest, the Grimfest run actually, yeah, came about just just before we had our run uh, at the King's Head, as in before we 
we actually got into the theatre. So it wasn't in the pipeline at the beginning sort of stage of rehearsals and things like that. But my ambition for the show was was for it to originally be on at the London Horror Festival. And if the London Horror Festival had been on this year, mm. then it probably would have debuted there instead. Um, but unfortunately, it's it's not on this year, I which know, is a real I'm shame. Yeah, it's a, it's a great oh. festival. It's such a good festival. I actually performed at the London Horror Festival a few years ago so that's why it was it was really special to have the play okay. play on there but yeah it's, it's a great festival and the Pleasance is a great venue but unfortunately it didn't happen so I think that's why the old red lion decided to do uh, the mm. guy who's oh absolutely I've, I uh, assumed that was why Grimfest has become about just to fill a little of, hole yeah exactly to have those kind of horror shows um give them a bit of a platform so yeah I was like okay cool you know the drought would be a perfect show for for that season uh let's do just a, a little a little fortnight run there and, and see how it goes and yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to it like I can't wait to get back into it I miss all the guys dearly so has, I hope has there been any change have you have you done any little changes to the play this month has it changed much from what you put on at the um oh, I'm look, look at the faces here I'm assuming there's been quite a few plastic changes <laughs> Andrew looking on with trepidation like oh my God. Wait, you've got to learn a whole new script Andrew yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 50 new pages of oh mine my. To learn. no um there are there's gonna be I mean yeah it's really weird like what it's, it's really interesting watching the show and one of the things that I think a lot of us said at the King's Head, you know, we only had six shows at the King's Head and that it felt like our preview shows. Like it didn't really, mm. to me, like it felt like uh, it was all coming together and then kind of like by the last night, it was like, yes, this is the play that it's meant to be. Like, this is what these characters are meant to be doing. And, oh, you know, I'm not saying that you guys had it like first night, but it's just, it's one of those things where you like, you realise the tweaks that you want to make and there's certain things that you think, oh yeah, it should, it should have been like this or it should be like that. And um, so there will be a couple of, a couple of little changes, um, but it won't be like, at this stage, it won't be huge because we don't have a great deal of time. And, you know, I don't want to give like the actors too much to, to do and you know in, in such a short space of time yeah, you, you so all little actors you know you have to you have to sort of look after these little actors oh, don't you know these little like <laughs> they're so you know you've got to take care of them and have you had what have you what's it like oh sorry jack sorry i spoke over you twice got after you Oh, no, I was just going to ask if Andrew had seen the musical numbers that Nina had added in. <laughs> well, no, I thought we'd cut Mary now. So oh, if she's yeah. been reinserted, you know, then yeah, Andrew, I could do Andrew's a bit of... Stop talking about Mary, for God's sake. I know, sake, a bit, bit of chim chimney. I'm, I'm all for that. Too oh. much away. <clears throat> yeah. But from an actor's point of view, what's it like? Because I say, I mean, let's face it, most plays go through little rewrites as you go through, don't they? How, how easy or hard is that from an actor's point of view? Because you've learnt your script you performed it a few times and then they come back and say, oh, we want to change this line. How easy is it to just forget the old line and get the new one in? Oh, Andrew. <laughs> so, okay. All right. Go on, Andrew. Andrew. Go on, Andrew. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. Not, not even pretending for a moment that acting is as hard a job as like, say, I don't know, being a, a, one of an amazing nurse in our NHS, you know, for, for, for one moment, but certainly the, the, it's a double-edged sword, just how, 
open, both Nina, Alex, and the rest of the cast were, were constantly refine, refining the script and refining every nuance. But there is that bit, uh, and you know, you can probably see from my face, my nails <laughs> were, were kind of gripping the script the closer we got to the opening night. And it, it's that point of, uh, are we going to lock the script? Is it going to be locked anytime? Yeah, and but what's great is, as long as you've got that framework and it, you just get to the point of we trust it actually and I was the one probably leaning towards thinking okay I think we need to, to set this now that actually the closer we got to it the more we kind of started playing and things changed even more and that's exactly what um, Jack and Nina was speaking about that we really felt like we we're starting to hit our stride on the last night and it, bizarrely you know, and that's where you bring even more changes in. So a lot of it's not just the lines, but actually what you're doing as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm amazed. I mean, I'm amazed when I see a play and sort of how you can remember. I, I can't remember two lines, let alone a whole script's worth. It amazes me that you can, you know, that you can keep to, you know, to the same lines night after night. <laughs> But there, there were a couple of squeaky bum <laughs> moments. Uh, let's put it that way. I certainly had one. Oh, I can't remember which night it was, but you know, oh, I, yes. I, yeah, yeah, that that was epic, an epic yeah. try. You know, just but you know, you, you're with people you trust. You know, and I could see Jack's face looking at me. You know, it's like, oh yeah, he's trying something different. Yeah, he's the one who keeps trying, and then I could see the face slowly change. I was like, I was like, Andrew, <laughs> oh, Andrew's, Andrew's really changing it up. This. <laughs> this time oh yeah yeah he's going really slowly through it he's taking really nice pauses. and then it just got really to a pause and i was like oh andrew's really pausing here yeah oh yeah. wait no he's forgotten his lines yeah yeah that was a real grim fest that that, yeah. that, yeah. Was, the, that was the real horror of that night i was doing annie get your gun and i was seeing anything you can do and um Basically, it's it's I, I don't know where you know it's a back and forth where I think the character's name is Frank and he keeps challenging Annie to sing to the sing off like anything you can do I anything you can sing I can sing longer anything you can and um, uh, I completely forgot the order of all of the all of the things so I I think um, one thing that happened is there's this there's this bit where I go anything you can do I can sing longer. And it goes back, it's like, no, you can't, yes, I can, no, you can't. And she, and at the end of this bit, she belts this like 20 second long note to, to like, to, 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 um, to sort of end that argument. And it's meant to be this huge spectacle moment. And she did it and it was fantastic. And then I couldn't remember the next one. And so I went, anything you can do, I, anything you can sing, I can sing. And then there's like a little pause and then I'm like, longer and she gives me this face because you know she's gonna have to belt that note for another 20 seconds she gives me a face that is like you oh. are dead to me right now oh my and that was the matinee we had an evening performance and so what they did was they <laughs> they wrote all of the uh, cues on the back of the piano so i remember the order of them <laughs> That's so what we're gonna do. We're gonna have to start putting the lines in the, the bottom of the bottle. So uh, you Nina, guys Nina, they're written it. on my hand every night. <laughs> <laughs> See it reflected on the ceiling. Just look up. Yeah. yeah but you know, in seriousness, it, it it was it wasn't that bad actually. Right. It, and also, you know, saying that about drying, it's not 
you know, Shakespeare, try improvising iambic pentameter. Yeah, I don't think so. You know, <laughs> come on. But with this, it's riddled <clears throat> with these dramatic pauses. A friend was in that, didn't even notice. So, yeah. you know, it, it's, uh, you, you've got the framework, the work's there. And, you know. Mm. I don't think we, we, I don't think sometimes we realise probably all the last minute changes, all the frantic adjustments you have to make for, let's say, if one of you has an accident or something. So, <laughs> I think we miss a lot of what probably, you know, it's, it's like a swan, isn't it? You're probably, there's a lot more pa- madness going on behind the scenes than what we eventually see. Right, we need to start wrapping up. We're, God, we're going to be well overrun here. Um, <laughs> what's the plans after Old Red Line? Have you got anything else planned yet? Or is it sort of wait and do that run and then see what you're getting, what comes up? Wait and see, yeah, for me, there's some stuff in the pipeline possibly um I can't really say too much at this point yeah I I would like my dream for the drought would be to take it on tour um and to do like a a coastal thing with it uh so to Mm -hmm. take it to theatres that are on the coast would be a a big dream for me so depending on funding and things like that um you know that I'd love I'd love to do that maybe maybe television is a possibility so yeah I'd like, that's something that I always kind of dreamed of for the show as well was adapting it into a sort of limited series and, and having it really really fleshed out but yeah it's it's impossible to say at this point but um definitely you know writing and, and more horror writing is something that I'd really like to do and Andrew and Drag could I mean I'll take it if you, you know if you could come, if this come back next year and you were available you'd jump at the chance of playing this again or if you had enough of Nina and and Caleb now <laughs> well the thing is they, they both I think it was 50 we agreed wasn't it uh, they, they just slipped us prior to this that uh, no it's a joy working with no in all seriousness yeah why not you know if schedules and ev- and the heavens align it, it, yeah absolutely like a shot it, it's it's they're no bad parts and what a, a fantastic team and include Chloe our wonderful stage manager in that who's associate directing the old red line we're just such a wonderful bunch of, of course yeah absolutely yeah, without without like it sounding a little bit cliche and like cheesy and stuff, it does it does feel a bit like a family mm-hmm. um, because it's been because everyone's had such an input and the show it does really feel like the show the show isn't just mine it's it's theirs as well. So should it expand and should it move on to bigger and better things, I would want everyone to be involved with it. And just just to wrap up, what I always ask people here. So come on, let's talk about the drought. So let's remind Old Red Lion Theatre first of the fourth of November. Why should we all come along to the old red line to see part of Grimfest in the sort of in a few weeks' time? Andrew's Andrew's really good at selling this show. I think Andrew should say <laughs> well, a few hey. <laughs> Okay, this is true. Okay, right, here we go. I can Why sell can the show. Go on, Jack, you do it. Go on. Okay, Jack. Oh, go no, on. Um, Talk about the trouserless, trouserless performance. Yeah, because be I like yeah. Why should you see this show? Because it's because I think it's something that you're not going to see anywhere else at the moment. I think it is one of the most intense hour and 15, hour and 20 uh, that you're going to find. And I think that's quite rare at the moment. And I think if you're ready for it, it's it's a ride. And uh, I think people are really going to enjoy it. And also briefly, can I just add to that oh, really quickly? Oh, I know I'm really sorry, Jack. It's perfect. All I would say is, and not getting too deep and heavy about it, it's set in the past, but it's absolutely a warning as to what could happen in the future. So that's all I said. Oh, you um, <laughs> overshadowed me with that line in an instant. Uh, <laughs> he, he is, he is oh. the captain. Just give him the final word. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. 
The roles Dana. are played well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, Jack, but absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Say so this show looks fascinating. I know we loved it when we saw it a few weeks ago. So say so if you are in the if you can get to the old red line start in November, do give this a look. Do go and check this out. There's also lots of other great things happening at Greenfest as well. So we'll put all the links up on the website. But say so it's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Love your chat to you all. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.